Turn to Luke. Turn to Luke chapter two. Turn to Luke chapter two. If you have an iPad or an iPhone, click over to Luke chapter two, and then when you get there, just hang out there for a little bit. We're going to dig into that a little bit later. Man, we're so glad you guys are here today. How many of you guys like Christmas? You like Christmas? Awesome. Yeah, a few of you guys. How many of you guys? You'll be honest. You hate Christmas. I don't like it. I wish it was over. Um, I like Christmas. Who doesn't? How many of you guys? You like to go shopping? You like to go shopping? All the Christians just raised their hand. Awesome. Man, we're glad you guys are here today. Christmas can be a tough time for some, but we have a reason to sing and a reason to be excited. I've got bad news today, um, but it's a little bit good. Our football season is over, but our football team, they played an awesome, tough, 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 tough team. And they played super, super tough on Friday night against Osceola. We hate the Cowboys. Um, Anything Cowboys, we hate it here. I'm just kidding. Um, Osceola, we lost them, but they did a good job. Our football players, we have a bunch of them that come, and our cheerleaders come to our church. Can we give them a big hand for a great season? This is the best they've ever done. This is the furthest our school has ever got. Back-to-back district champs, and they've done phenomenal. They did a really, really good job, and and I'm just so proud of them. And they've done a, they've done a phenomenal job. And they're good, good, good kids. And um, every time I'm around them, I tell these moms like these kids are just they're just good kids. And um, I like good kids. I can't relate because I was a bad one, but I like good kids. You know what I'm saying? And um, I don't want my kids to turn out like I did or to be like I was. I want to be like some of your kids because your kids are good and mine are a mess. Um, but man, we're glad you guys are here today. Here's what I want you to do. I want to give you a second to talk to the person around you. You got 20 seconds, okay? I want you to answer two questions to the person around you. I want you to have a conversation with them really quick, okay? Here's what I want you to have a conversation about, okay? It'll be quick and I'll cut you off. Talk as fast as I'm talking, okay? Um, I want you to tell them two things, okay? I want you to tell them um, the best gift you've ever gotten. And if you could go anywhere this Christmas, where would you go, okay? You ready? You, you got it? The best gift you've ever gotten. And if you could go anywhere this Christmas, anywhere you want to go, go now. Go. And your time's up. Hey, well, man, we are, we're going to dig into this song today. I told you to talk as fast as I talk. Oh, come, 
all ye faithful is what we're going to unpack for the moments that we have today. I grew up, you guys have heard this, you probably have heard it every week. I grew up with, there's six of us. I have three, there's, in our family, there's three boys and there's three girls. And my mom and dad barely survived having all of us. But we're here and we're all here. We all go to this church. We all serve at this church. But man, I have a lot of Christmas stories. And so I'm going to let you into my life over the next four weeks in Christmas stories, okay? Here is, I'm going to lead you guys right up to December 24th, okay? For us, for for as long as I can remember, till the time I was 18 years old, and even between on being away from college and coming back home, being home for Christmas, here is what we would do every single uh, Christmas. We would all, all six of us, we would all pile in one bedroom, and we would sleep in the same room together, and we would be so excited about Christmas that we, I don't think we slept that night. And here's what we would do, and uh, my sister, my older sister, she's in here today, and the rest of them are here too, or they're all over the place. But here's what we would do. My sister and I, we'd all, we, we would get the beds because we were the oldest. It just made sense. And I was the second oldest and we would get the beds and all the, the other four, they had to sleep on the floor. But here's what we would do. We would stay up and, and when it would get to be about 11 o'clock at night, we'd, we'd definitely be in bed by then, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, we'd be itching. And eventually we would talk ourselves so we were fast asleep. And uh, my parents would shut the sliding door and they would sleep out in the, and out there where, where the toys, where Santa Claus was going to bring the toys. I don't know what you believe. So anyway, Santa Claus is ringing them. That's what I was believing. And we were so excited about Christmas that we're like, we'd wake up. I don't know what time we'd wake up, three o'clock, four o'clock, five o'clock. We'd wake up early. And then me and my sister, we'd, we'd begin to plot. And we'd have to begin figuring out how are we going to talk the youngest one into going and see if Santa had came. And so they would have to go to the end of the hallway and they'd have to crack, you'd have to crack the door and then you'd have to peek out there and see. And eventually my parents got smart and they moved where they would put their Christmas tree at. Because <laughs> before we could crack a little bit and we had direct shot to the Christmas tree, but then they would, then they moved it. They, they were, my parents were slow. It took them 10 years to realize they had to move the tree. But at about year 10, they, they started moving the trees all around on us. And so then you it went from being able to crack it a little bit to you had to get almost halfway and you had to look around to see if what if Santa Claus had came, and we would do that, and we would start with the it would, we would start with whatever kid we thought we could talk to. If they would say no, we had a we had a one in four chance. You know, we were the oldest, and so eventually we'd get someone to go and look and see if Santa had came. And when he came in, we came out there like a wrecking ball. I mean, we were just it was you could see, and I remember sometimes too. We all all six of us would go and look. Could you imagine? Um, there's a few Cheetos in here today, but I like how Cheetos, they can figure out how to stack themselves in such a way to get them all in a picture. And not just selfie, but just like straight on. They're like, one head's this way, one head's that way. You know, it just looks right. And so you can imagine the youngest, second oldest, the third oldest, and we're all lined up like this, trying to see. That way, if one got caught, we all got caught together. You know, we're in it to win it. And so, man, we like Christmas, and and we hope that you guys will have a good time uh, this Christmas. Um, This song is an awesome song. Next week is going to be a great song. But this song was written in the 18th century by a hymnist. His name was John Francis Wade. Thank God he had an easy name. It was written in Latin. And then years later, it was translated into English as, O come, all ye faithful. And I don't know about you, if you're anything like me, when you see those words, you're like, man, I, I, I said this earlier, when I'm not faithful. And I'm not, I'm not joyful. And, and I'm not triumphant. So I want to unpack that a little bit. This song probably should read, um, come all the bad people or come all the frustrated or come all the, the weary 
or, or they're tired, but it's just a song. And so I want to bring some good news today. You guys know me. I always want to give you good news. But Jesus doesn't come, when Jesus called you and I to follow him, and if you're here today trying church out for the first time, or you're trying church again, and it's been a long time since you've been back. I love this church. We have people that haven't been in 16 years or haven't been to church in a decade. And people come and check out what we're doing and what we're talking about. And whether you've been in church for a long time or, or for a little, little bit of time, we want you to know this. is We don't take our cues from culture or from songs. We take them from God's word. That's kind of where we get all that we give to you on Sunday morning. We, we get everything that we have from God's word. And I'm so glad that Jesus, when he called me and he called you, and if he's going to call you today, he doesn't call the people that are joyful. He doesn't call the people that are triumphant. He doesn't call all the faithful people. He doesn't call that. He actually calls a few different kind of people. I want to look at those people for a few moments and then I want to dive into Luke chapter 2. But he actually says in the Bible, it says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, then Jesus says, come to me. He's calling us. Who does Jesus call? He calls two people. He says, I, he says, he says come to me, all you guys that are weary and you're carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Jesus here, he calls the weary and the burden. Can we relate with that a little bit better than joyful and triumphant? He calls the weary and the tired people. This is why this is a very exciting time for a lot of people. It can also be a very sad time. As I get older in ministry, I, I, I spend, I spend uh, the things that I do are a little bit different. I remember about four years ago, I spent Christmas, uh, Thanksgiving or Christmas time, going back and forth to the hospital to watching a 50-year-old man die of cancer. And talk about being weary and being tired. This guy was weary and tired. And every time I would get there, his wife would be weary and she'd be tired. And I had a friend of mine bring him a Christmas tree. This guy loved, 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 loved Christmas. And the thing he loved the most, the thing that was his most favorite holiday, he was spending it fighting for his life. Talk about being weary and tired. Every time I would see his wife, she would just look more tired and more tired. He had two kids and more tired. Then he lost that fight. Man, weary and tired. Jesus calls the people that are weary, tired. I, I did a funeral a few weeks ago. When I leave here today, I'll walk into Next Steps. And if you want to learn more about our church, we'd love to meet you there. We feed you and we'll take care of your kids. And we want to let you know how you can get plugged in to be a part of this. I'll walk into Next Steps and then I'll fly across town to Oviedo to do a funeral. But, but the holidays can be a, a weary and a tiring time. And I also want to say this to you today, man, if you are, if you're experiencing weariness and you're experiencing tiredness, you're, in a, you're at a good place. You're in a good place. And um, every week we give out our phone number. I, I spend a lot of my weeks talking with people on the phone or meeting at Starbucks. It's a vicious circle. I don't really go to Starbucks to help people. I really go there to help myself. And, you know, I go to get coffee and people happen to come. And I spent time with, a, with, a, with this, young, um, this young person this week that just feels like, man, everything is going completely in a wrong direction. So the holidays can be a bad time for people too. And we see here that Jesus calls the weary and the burden. Here's the second person, the second group of people. Go. He calls the sinners. The Pharisees saw this. They asked his disciples, why do you teach with such scum? Or why do you teach all these sinners? Why do you teach sinners? It, Jesus was spending time with, with bad people. I got a phone call from our lady the other day and she goes, hey, my friend has this struggle or this sin. Is she allowed in your church? I'm like, everyone's allowed in our church. She can come. Because Jesus would allow anyone to come in this church. And so we're only going to do what Jesus will. We'll let anyone come inside this church. That's what Jesus called to do. He's, Jesus says here this passage of scripture, 
why, these, the Pharisees, why are you hanging out with sinners, Jesus? And Jesus heard this. He said this, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Jesus hung out with sinners. And here's the good news in here today. If you found yourself in Hope Church in a winter garden today at West Orange High School, one out of one people that walk in these doors in here today is a sinner. You're like, not me. You too. Everyone in here has a hurt. We say this every week. Everyone in this room has a hurt or a habit or a hang-up. Everyone's got something. We all struggle with something. We all get frustrated about ourselves, about something. We all have that in our lives. We all do. We all have, at some, sort, at some point in your life, you're going to go through a marriage struggle. You're going to go through a, a, some sort of frustration. You're going to go through maybe a death, or maybe you're going to go through divorce, or maybe you're going to go through disease. So we, all of us in here today, we can either fall under some category, either we're weary and tired, and maybe we're also, we all are, we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of God's glory, and he's the mark. And so we're in good, you're in good company today. When you leave today, and if you're going to tag it on Facebook, you can say, I hung out with a bunch of sinners. <laughs> And you can put hashtag, I was one of them. You know, like, because we are all stinking sinners. You guys are starting to laugh and get a little bit comfortable with me. You're like, what is wrong with this guy? I have lots of problems. Um, But man, I'm here today and I'm here teaching you guys. And I want to talk to you guys about who does Jesus call? What happens after he calls us? We see he calls weary and tired people and he he calls sinners. That's what he calls. He calls, but he doesn't leave us that way. The Bible says this, if you've, if you've come to me, once I've called you, the Bible says that you can become a new creature. I'm already excited about January. We're going to talk about a new year. How many of you guys are ready for the new year ready? You need a new start. Everyone does. Everyone likes it. So I'm so excited about talking about the new you and a new year. But the Bible tells us if you've come to him, when the weird people come to him and the tired people come to them, and the frustrated people come to them, and the people that are full of sin, which is all of us, when we get there, he begins to change us, and he makes us new. And I'm so thankful for God that makes us new. And so I wonder if you're going to write down some notes today. I want to take you guys today back to Bethlehem. I'm going to take you back to Bethlehem. I wish I could put us all on an airplane today and fly us. It would take us a long time. Have any of you guys ever flown overseas before? It's, 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 It's bad. It's long. I remember my first long flight. I flew from here um, to, I think, to Michigan or somewhere like that, to an international airport. And then I went from here to London. No, I went from here to, to Hong Kong. Got to Hong Kong, got off that flight there, and then flew to Manila, Philippines, four hours later. And you're traveling for almost 20 hours. My second longest flight from here to England, and then from England down to Nairobi, Kenya. And flying is daunting. But when you get there, it's amazing. So you and I say we get a fast pace ride back to Bethlehem. You'll hear, you'll hear Luke chapter 2 read. You'll probably hear it on TV or maybe you as a family, you'll read through it over these holidays. But I want to read it to us every single week. Over the next four weeks, you're like, man, that's boring. I'll try not to make it boring. But if you have a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, awesome. You're okay. We got it on the screen for you. And if you want a Bible, like, man, I love to have a Bible. I don't have a Bible. When you walk out the doors today, go back to the pile of toys, and you just ask anyone in the orange room for a Bible. We'll give you one, and we want you to have one. If you're using an electronic device, again, we're in the New Living Translation. Luke chapter 2, commercial. You guys did a great job bringing all these toys. We're a new church. And every time we do something, I'm like, man, is this going to work? Are these people going to bring toys? Like, I don't even know. Um, but you guys did a good job, and man, we're, we're going to make an impact in some people's lives. Um, I don't know if you've ever been homeless before. 
um, I don't know if you've ever even hung around a homeless person before, but, but I have. And, um, and I just know we're going to drop those toys off um, to Toys for Hope. We're going to drop those toys off, and it's going to make a difference. I wish, I, could, I wish we could be there to hand those toys out. Um, there's nothing like seeing people who don't have and that when they receive something, it's just cool. And so, man, we're making a difference. We're making a difference in this community, which is one of the goals of this church, to serve this city. And so, um, but you guys did a great job. My neighbor across the street, he, he, gave me five, he gave me five toys this week to bring to our toy drive. And he's, he, he, he's not a Christian, and, um, but he wants to help people out. And I mean, you can come to our church. We like to help people out. You don't got to be a Christian to come to our church. You just come the way you are. You can look the way you look, and you can act the way you act, and let Jesus do the work. And so, Luke chapter 2, verse 1, the Bible says this. At that time, <clears throat> the Roman Empire, Augustus, he decreed that there should be a census, or they should count everybody, and that should be taken through the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Q-Dog here was governor of Sar- Syria. All returned to their, how do I know he was a dog? I don't know. I don't know if he was a brother or not, but a name like that, you can't pronounce it. He might have been a brother. So anyways, so, um, <laughs> uh, we laugh at this church. And uh, if you don't like laughing, you won't like this church. <laughs> and so, um, I'm glad you're back, Jill. I'm just glad you're back. Um, I'm going to keep reading, okay? Uh, <laughs> commercial for me and Jill. I just have a conversation with Jill. Verse 4, and because Joseph was a descendant, of King David, he went. He had to go back to Bethlehem in Judea, where it was David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. Her belly was starting to show. While they were there, the time came for her baby to be born, which was Jesus. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him in snuggling. She wrapped him in snug. And snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Could you imagine being on a road trip and having nowhere to stay at? And then to make things worse, um, you know, when you read the Bible, and a lot of you guys grew up in church, when you, you read, you've heard the story before, you've heard the word swaddling clothes, and you're, you don't even know what swaddling is. You don't even know what that is. And so what they did with these swaddling words, they were really just strips of dirty rags. You know the kind of, you know that rag that you look for that you're like, oh, I'm going to go clean the car with. I'm going to go clean the car. And you just go look for the moms or, or ladies in here. Today. You go get the most ratchetest rag you got and you go and clean with that. Or if your son who is uh, 14 months and uh, he's one of your twins, he throws up in three places in the house last night. You go get the ratchetest rags you can get and you clean that up with and you put that spot shot on the new carpet and you try to clean it. This was the worst rags they could find. They wrapped him up with that. And so... They, and they laid him in a manger. Verse 8, that night there was shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will be, bring great joy to all people. Commercial. I don't know where you're at in here today, but the Bible says here, if you just look at this and you study the Greek word for all, it actually means all. And so no matter where you're at in here today, the Bible says here that he's going to bring a joy to all people. And so if you're joyless, if that's a word or not, if you don't have any joy, if you're frustrated, the Bible says in here in this passage of scripture, he can bring joy. He's going to bring joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you'll recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped in 
and crummy, crummy strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Verse 15, When the angel had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see the things that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried into the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone that what had happened, and the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherds' story was astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds weren't back to their flock. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them hundreds and hundreds of times in the Old Testament, it points to a baby coming, born of a virgin, and it was going to take away the sins of the world, all from the Old Testament, pointing to the New Testament. And we see here it happens. And so I want to take you today back to Bethlehem. If, if there was no Bethlehem, there would be no Jesus. And if there was no Jesus, there would be no perfect, spotless lamb to die for the sins of the world. Could you imagine being at that manger today? Can you imagine being in a place where there's a few stinky animals and everything smells really, 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 really bad? I don't know if you're an outdoor person or not. If you are, cool, God bless you. But could you imagine being in all the smells, taking in all the smells? This baby's there. Every mom that wants to have a kid doesn't want them to grow up in a trough. They never think about putting them in a trough. They want the best room. When we had our twins, we were at, a, um, at Winnie Palmer. And one of our friends says, you've got to get on the seventh floor. They call it seven heaven. Seventh heaven or something like that. You got to get on the seventh floor. That's the best. You got, you got to be there. And so, and we had another friend, they say, we got, we're going to try to get you on the seventh floor. So they got us on the seventh floor. We're like, this is awesome. There aren't very many perks to being a pastor in case you're wondering. But sometimes when you know a lot of people, you get to be on the seventh floor at the hospital. Well, when we had these babies, they weren't natural. Obviously, you don't want to have twins natural. You had to, we had to have a C-section. When I say we, I mean Diana. And so she had a C-section. And because of the complications after she had the baby and Diana wasn't doing so good high blood pressure, they couldn't get on the seventh floor. They put us on, on the sixth floor. Another perk we have, we have another friend. She worked in the, in the, in the neonatal intensive care unit. She goes, I'm going to be there. A friend of ours, she goes, I'm going to be there when you have your baby. Don't worry about it. Well, you know, I've, I've had, at that point, we've had two babies, and we're going from two to four. And, man, it is an entourage of people in that room. And say, every baby, both babies get a nurse. There's doctors for both babies. There's, there's, it is, it's, a, it's a crew in there. It's, and they're rolling deep, man. It is a lot of people. And um, this just popped in my head, so I'm going to say it, and I'm going to hop back to my notes, and I promise. I, I love all of our football players, but I am judging them a lot of them right now. And I'm, I don't believe we should be judgmental. We're not a judgmental church. And so we might have to crop that out of the sermon and online. But I go online yesterday and they've gone from being football players, tough, smelly, tough, macho, jacked football players to now they're competitive cheerleaders. What in the world is going on with these guys? And I'm like, I, I feel hypocritical up here today because I like the picture, but I didn't like it. You know, I'm like, I'm just going to like it anyway. I'm just going to, I'm going to support these guys and moms and dads. I, my kids are old enough and hopefully my sons will never be competitive cheerleaders. But I'm like, I'm going to support these guys because I love them and I'm for them. And then I see the poses, the pictures they're taking. They're tough guys. I mean, these guys are just 
beating the credit on the football field. Now they're out there just, yes. You know, and I'm like, what's going on? What happened to these guys? And so, man, I'm praying for football season to come back already because I'm going to have to unfriend these guys until football season next year. And so, um, I don't even know why I said that. It just popped in my head. But anyways, <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? It's, I thought it, so I had to say it. And so, I, when you have these kids, back to where I was saying, when you have these kids, I'm talking about, I'm supporting them. That's what you're supposed to do with your kids. But when we had these kids, everything was going the way we thought they would go. And we had all this special attention and everything was going the way they had. And we had IVs and we had people coming. And when we left, one of our friends was a nurse. She was bringing us all kinds of extra diapers. Because when you have twins, you need extra diapers. And, and if you haven't had kids yet, when you, when you, you pay for this. So you, when, you, when you leave moms that are or new moms, you clean that thing out. You just pile it all in a bag. You take all that stuff with you. I don't know if it's steel or not, but I think you pay for it. So you take as much as you can and you take that with you. But can you imagine having your son at a place that you didn't think you'd have him? You didn't think it. You didn't think it was going to go as like it went. It was the worst case scenario. And then on top of that, you know that your son's going to be the savior of the world. And you don't know how long it's going to take. You don't know when it's going to happen. But 30 plus years later, your son dies on the cross for the sins of the world. So taking you back to Bethlehem, if you're taking notes, say I want to give you three things. Abel, you can come up and help me finish this sermon. I told Diane I was going to talk short today. But I didn't. <clears throat> because Jesus came, here's what he helps you do. When he came, he, he came with a purpose. He didn't come just to he didn't come just to come. He didn't come just to be around. He had Jesus came for a reason. Bethlehem happened for a reason. So let's go back to Bethlehem. With Jesus came a lot. Jesus helps you and I to become more faithful. Jesus helps you and I, to become more faithful. You know, have you ever looked at someone and you thought, man, I wish I could just be strong in God and have a strong faith like them? Have you ever said that before? I've said that before. I thought, man, that guy, I remember my grandpa died the day after Thanksgiving, my senior year of high school. But my grandpa, he loved Jesus and he had a great faith. You know what I used to always want to be like him? If you grew up in a, um, if you grew up in a, in a home, um, I'm not very politically correct. I'm just going to go ahead and say this. But my, my, my dad's black. And so I, when I had this, um, I don't know the word you're supposed to use now freely. I'm just using black. But my dad's black. And so it, I, I went to, I always had Thanksgiving at my grandpa's house. And my grandpa, I don't know if this is every old man, but my, my black old grandpa could pray for like a 35 minutes. You know what I'm saying? All you guys are laughing. You're like, okay, I can relate. You can relate to me. But man, he would pray for like 35 minutes. The food would be freaking cold by then. I'm like... Let's go. Let's wrap this thing up. We don't got to pray for the missionaries. We want to pray for the food. But man, he would pray. And I thought to myself, man, my grandpa had a great faith. You could just tell it in his words. Have you ever wondered where people got, or people that have faith and great faith, where they get that from? The Bible says in Hebrews, the Hebrews, the Bible says, where does my help come from? Or where does my faith come from? It comes from Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of my faith. If you're today in here today, you're thinking, man, I don't have any faith. You want to know where faith comes from? You can't pull it out of the air. You can't get it from watching the Oprah show. You can't get it from watching Ellen, which I love the Ellen show, but you can't get it. You can't pull faith out of the air. You can only get faith from one person and it came from Bethlehem and his name is Jesus. Jesus came to give you and I more 
more faith. What else happened in Bethlehem today? When Jesus came, not only did we get more faith, but he came to make us more joyful. He helps you and I become more joyful. And, and if you're not writing this down, it's cool, but maybe you might want to write it down because maybe you might need it down, down the road. And um, statistics say 90% of people that take notes make it in heaven first. And so if you, you know, statistics are made up, but that one's factual. Um, <clears throat> but when Jesus came, he, he, because he came, he helps you and I become more faithful and he helps you and I become more joyful. Can I ask you a question today? Is your joy tank low? The Bible tells us that joy is a fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit. And the Bible says that God's bringing us these gifts. He gives us love gives us joy and he gives us peace and he gives us patience and he gives us kindness and he gives us love. I mean, he just dumps his love out on us. And with that, he gave us joy. If you're walking around in here today and here's if you're, if you're like, man, I'm just trying to be happy. Happiness is contingent upon you. Happiness is contingent upon things around you. Like, oh man, I hope things work out. That's happiness. Joy comes from Jesus. Capital J-O-Y comes from Jesus. Joy comes from Jesus. I mean, I just, Wes, I just, things aren't going the way I can. I'm just, I'm just unhappy. Like happiness is so contingent upon you, but joy is hundred percent reliant upon Jesus. And a good way for you to live your life is just to be reliant upon Jesus. One of the number one reasons why people don't want to be a part of church. One of the, one of the reasons why people don't want to come to church is because they feel like God's going to take a bunch of stuff away from me. When I read this Bible, and when I read this, when I read the story, when Jesus came because of Bethlehem, I'm, when, and we see here that He gives us more faith. That that seems like a that seems like a plus, doesn't it? Does that, does that seem neg- negative or positive? It seems like a positive to me. I'll take that. If you tell me I can come be at church, I can come hear a positive message, and I can get more faith. I'll, I'll take that. That's positive. I'll, I mean, not only do we get more faith, it says here, but we can become more joyful. I don't know about you and I, but I like to be more joyful. You're like, how can you be more joyful? I'm not joyful right now. This is the coffee talking. Like, I want to be more joyful. I don't want when things to be stripped from me for me to think, man, things aren't going the way that I thought they would go. I want, I want to be reliant upon what happened at Bethlehem. I want to be more joyful. And here's what he also said is Jesus helps us to become more triumphant. Man, isn't it miserable to walk around like this? Could you imagine being stuck walking around like this your whole life? It'd be miserable, wouldn't it? But can I tell you what I see a lot? I see a lot of Christians walking around like that. We just walk around like this. This is our life. That was going to run into him, didn't you? He can't see me. Both of our backs are turned to each other. But can you imagine walking your whole life with your head down, not knowing where you're going to go? A lot of us can relate to that because that's how we started. That's how we started our life until we met Jesus. Or maybe you're here today and this is how you're walking. This is your pro. This is your. Um, this is the way you're walking. This is your posture. The Bible tells in His Word that He comes to give us and He comes to make us more triumphant. He kind of picks our shoulders up for us and picks our head up. I was young. My dad and mom always made me look at people, look at them in the eye, and look look them in the eye, and so. Jesus picks up our chest, puts it out a little bit, 
whether we have anything there or not, Jeremy just kind of puffs us out a little bit and he kind of puts our head up a little bit and says, hey, you can be triumphant. And here's the, you can't be triumphant on your own. You can't be joyful on, joyful on your own and you can't have any faith on your own. All three of those things come from Jesus and it started back in Bethlehem. I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes today. No one's looking around. I wonder if you're in here today and you say, Wes, I've never been to Bethlehem. Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Oh, come, let us adore.